And here we go. That's right. You're back in Redline. And what happened today? Well, I have got to retire my predictions because uh, it could affect my world-famous 99.7 percentage of always being right. I said Flaherty was going to be no world beater. He had like a five and a quarter ERA. And the Reds came out so flat today. You're, you, I, you guys remember how I always talk about pitch efficiency and not walking batters. And that's the key to like Mally and Gray and Castillo. And I know that sounds like a cookie cutter approach. And I'm not going to say it's not. But it's it's literally fundamentals of pitching. Well, Flaherty pitched seven innings today, and he did walk a batter. But over those seven innings, he only threw 89 pitches. Four hits, no runs, one walk, and he struck out four. And he lowered his ERA from five and a quarter to 4.06. And what have I said about the uh, Reds and their offense. I thought it was going to keep rolling. I thought after that 12-1 and deal, which was really a 6-1 and game. Remember how, if you go back to uh, Reds podcasts, Reds line podcasts, game recaps, I said, hey, don't get all, you know, hot and bothered about this 12-run spot. It's really 6-1. to And then I also, uh, like, I'll get into that later, about what the St. Louis manager did with Leon. Uh, today in the uh, eighth inning or whatever, but uh, and how it translates to Zach Duke, really funny. But uh, there's not much to really cover today. The Reds, I, like I, I can't explain it any better. Seven innings, eighty nine pitches. I mean, the guy could have went eight innings. I mean, maybe the St. Louis skipper saw him losing a little bit, and that's anticipation for you. And that's something that Dan. That's something that I was gonna say. Uh, David Price, I, I I get those two mixed up because they're so similar, being rookie managers. But anticipation is something that the Red Skippers the last two times, and I don't mean two games, I mean the last two managers, they don't anticipate anything. They are not, they are re, total reactionary, reactionary. They they wait till their pitcher get loses it, and sometimes you, you sometimes it's just going to happen. In the middle of an inning, I understand that, but you saw what happened today. Uh, like I said, flattery, eighty-nine pitches over seven innings, only four hits, and it's not like he was caning everybody either. That's another thing. What do I always say about Molly? You gotta use the grass and the air, buddy. Which and and you know when I say grass and air, what I really mean is use your defense in case you're so dense on a rock somewhere. So anyway, uh, this game. Very little scoring. Uh, it, it was Gray versus Flaherty. And, and really, Sonny Gray was dominating really well. And Sonny Gray should have won. You know, Sonny Gray is 0-4 with a 365 ERA. I mean, he should be at least 2-2 two and two with that 365 ERA. And actually, his ERA should be lower. Uh, again, that goes back to the anticipation and... Uh, you know, seeing what's going on with your pitcher before it happens because Sunday Gray could have been pulled a couple times before hand and a couple of those starts and had a little better ERA. But that's besides the point. I just wanted to talk about 
uh, how other managers operate. So uh, the Reds are cruising along. Uh, Gray gives up two runs in the fourth, and that's not even the end of the world. And that's all they really give up until Scott, Scott Shebler error in the bottom of the eighth ended up leading to three runs. And uh, Scott Shebler, he comes up at the top of the ninth. You got, uh, wasn't it Winker and Iglesias was on? And then uh, Shebler doubles for some unknown reason. Yeah, I don't, I, we know, no one really knows what Shebler was doing to, uh, to double because he's literally hitting, um, he's literally hitting, uh, what are you hitting, Scott Shebler? I know it's not a buck 50. Let me look this up while we're uh, keeping everything straight. He's hitting 139. So before that hit, he was barely above 100. And like, I'm going to keep going on this. I've uh, made it pretty clear that Scott Shelbler needs a new change of scenery. And, and with nothing else, if he wasn't in center field, he would probably be producing better. Does anybody realize that this is a square uh, peg in a round hole with Shelbler in center? That's nothing anybody ever talks about with you guys. And you guys always talk about my trade ideas being Major League Baseball the show. This Scott Shebler in center field is literally that. Like, it makes no sense. No other team would deploy him in center field as a starter. Now, I'm not saying that if there was an injury or somebody needed a day off and you were in a smaller ballpark and Shebler was on your team, could he play center field in a pinch? I'm not saying he couldn't, but you would never, ever rely on him, rely on him in center field. And... uh to make a long story short, the Reds' front office knew about these problems. Last year, they tried a four-man outfield rotation. It didn't work. This year, they're trying a three-man outfield rotation, but Puig's getting the starts every day and right. And now that Winker's been hitting, they, they, they can't pull him. So now, at least since Matt Kemp got uh, ran into the wall, and the wall won, as Matt Kemp would say, at least the Reds are using Winker and Puig every day. And do you notice that Puig? That Winker has hit, been hitting better since he's been starting every day. Wow, I wonder why that is. It's called reps. You can't get better off the bench playing Major League Baseball. I just wonder how these front office guys like Dick Williams, who has no idea about player development, uh, scouting, or profiling players, I wonder if he realizes that this is not all just numbers put in a computer because they're so sabermetric savvy. So... And they're really not because who's ever implementing them uh, is doing it, uh, you know, bass backwards. And I meant to say it that way. So, anyway, Scott Shelbourne needs a new home. Uh, you know, uh, David Hernandez came in. And remember that last time out, David Hernandez came out and had the bases loaded, struck out three batters. Well, he was getting out of this inning. Well, he kind of he kind of got hit a little bit pretty bad. And then... He didn't get out of it, but he could have got out of it potentially if Shelbourne just catches a fly ball and the rest is history. So I'm sure you guys really don't care about it. Um, but yeah, other than that, Stevenson pitched an inning okay. Wandy Peralta struck out two batters. Everybody's saying how great Wandy Peralta is. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about Wandy Peralta other than what I've told said about him, he's effectively all over the place. You, you don't know what you're going to get with him. So a lot of batters, they're uh, 
that I'm not going to say their timing's off. It's just that he play, he's his pitches are not – he doesn't have command. I'll put it that way. So it's kind of – you know, he's effectively wild. And I don't mean he's wild like Rick Vaughn wild. I mean, he just kind of doesn't have command. So while his stuff is okay – uh, if he's throwing it over the plate easy, they're going to hit him like a like a madman. But if he's willing it all over the plate, he's probably going to be effective like he was today getting guys in to chase, and that's how he got two Ks. So what can we say about this game other than uh, David Bell? I almost said David Price again. Joey Votto got another hit, so they think that thing's working. It's not. He needs to be batting third in the lineup, which they've had Winker batting third lately. And I'm just going to say this. Bat Winker uh, fifth behind Puig at four. Winker likes hitting fifth and sixth. He's said it several times. It's not some kind of a conspiracy theory. So get Winker batting fifth behind Puig, and hopefully you'll have Suarez Vado and Puig on base for Winker because Winker's an RBI machine. I know you sabermetric guys and analytic guys. And, hey, by the way, I'm a sabermetrics analytic guy, but I'm just not so uh, over myself in uh, saber stats. I don't understand scouting and uh, the the brain that the player has and the uh, uncanny ability to drive in runs, which is unquantifiable other than RBIs. So get off of it. Anyway, back to this game. So this game was highly winnable. The Reds just needed to put the ball in play more. And it's not like they struck out a lot either. I mean, we're talking about six strikeouts. So when's the last time you heard of the Reds losing and only striking out six times? It's really odd. So it really boils down to lineup efficiency, boils down to need a better center fielder, and really just... Getting Votto out of that leadoff spot. I, I'm not going to complain about this loss very much other than the, it, the, the Shebler's glaring hole. He's hitting 139 after that double today. And the double came off of Leon. And if you don't remember Leon, Leon is the guy, remember in the 12 to 1 game? Leon's the guy that gave up like five or six runs. So when you're sitting here saying that Shebler got out of a slump, no. He just really put a bat on a baseball by a really struggling pitcher. If you don't believe me, go look at the box scores. This isn't like Scott Shelburne broke out of it. Someone in Resonation number 4192 said, oh, maybe he'll break out of the slump. Uh, I apologize to you in advance, but no, this is Leon. He's having a heck of a hard time, and this is just Shebler taking advantage of a really bad pitcher. Well, so a bad hitter taking advantage of a bad pitcher. Whatever the case may be, this two RBI double, well, I hope I'm wrong, which I'm probably not, considering I have a world-famous, universally known 99.7% of always being right. Shebler probably needs traded. Now, I have outlined to the Reds several different plays. Toronto needed him. The Giants would trade for him tomorrow. And the Baltimore Orioles would trade for him. In fact, the Baltimore Orioles have kind of a cool little uh, deal going. They have, uh, God, what's that guy's name? He's a right-handed reliever, has really good stuff, allows very few hits per innings pitched. His name is Mark, and it spells, they spell it, it oh, no, it's Michael Givens. This guy is on the trading block, only making $2.15 million. Now, he does have a 450 ERA, but his lifetime is 318. Strikes out more than innings pitched. And the big thing is his walks are down. The guy in his career has only allowed, 
Let me get to this number here. I got to show you this because this is this is where you can learn something on Red's line. So in 272 innings pitched, he's only allowed 208 hits. That's huge if you don't understand baseball. So um, let's get to the good things list. Let me repeat that. Now let's get to the good things. Well, uh, I can't really say much about the good things list today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know what? I'm just going to revoke the good things list today. You can't really make it up. I Actually, I'm not going to do three good things. I'll just say this. That Stevenson and Peralta pitched great. Actually, I can put a good thing. Sonny Gray, five innings, three hits, two runs, two earned, two walks, and five Ks. Um, you know, he did – that was like 90 pitches. And I think that's correct. Yeah, 90 pitches, 55 for strikes. So he wasn't, like, really commanding the pl- the ball. But it, it really doesn't matter. Sonny Gray, Sonny Gray has been a godsend for this team. Thank goodness they signed him to a three-year extension when they give up that compensation pick. Oh, and by the way, Dick Williams, you never needed to give away that compensation pick. Sonny Gray was a salary dump. They had to have. And you should have worked the deal for Clint Frazier, as I told you guys to do in the offseason. But... It's just me. And now, and by the way, uh, before you guys start telling me about how good Clint Frazier's stats are this year and the fact that the uh, Yankees would never trade him, number one uh, Reds nation that doesn't know what they're talking about, the Yankees had six or seven outfielders coming into this season. Clint Frazier was been the odd man out the last two, the last uh, last season. Basically, the Reds could have worked this deal, added some players, subtracted some players, especially if you're giving up a, a draft pick. Uh, anyway, to make a long story short, then you would have had your center fielder and not had Scott Shebler playing center field, costing you these games with defense and a 139 batting average. So you're welcome, Dick Williams. So anyway. For number one of the good things, Sonny Gray, it's you. And I'll give it, I'll just put, I'll just fill out the good things list with Stevenson, number two. He pitched an inning, didn't allow any runs. He allowed a hit, didn't strike out anybody. His ERA is still sub two. And I don't think I'll give the third good thing to Wandy Peralta. And I'm not going to give it to anybody else either. Wait, I'll just give it to Jesse Winker. One for four with a double, scored a run today. Uh, his batting average is all the way up to 238. And I know you're saying all the way up to 238. Well, if you haven't been checking box scores, he was batting under Mendoza while this, uh, uh, this wonder kid front office is, uh, having this four man outfield rotation and just hurting everybody's production. So he's, he's on his way to 300 and he's probably, you know what? I'm going to just stick it right here. Jesse Winker is going to hit 320 or better this year. Mark my words. Mark it down. Uh, May 28th. No, not May 28th. April 28th or whatever day it is today. Yeah, that's right. April 28th, I said, tell, mark it. Jesse Winker is hitting 320 or above. And since Vegas odds are around, if he hits 317 or better, I still am right. we got to have at least a little push here. Uh, not That's not even a push. Uh, what do you call that? A spread. Gotta have a spread. A push is when no one wins and we all get our money back. Anyways, so you heard it here first. Jesse Winker will bat 320 or better this year. Anyway, so let's get to the bad things. This is gonna be so simple. Reds front office! Scott Shebler does not need to be on your roster anymore. Period. End of story. Who's number two on the bad things list? David Bell! Quit batting Joey Votto leadoff. 
And who's number three on the bad things list? The entire Reds management structure. You've seen enough of these games. Scott Shelburne's hitting 139. And if you, any one of you in that front office thinks, or even David Bell, or even Freddie Benavides thinks that that double off of Leon or Leon or whatever, the, how you ever pronounce that Cardinals pitcher's name who's struggling, think that that double is going to set him off some way, somehow. The guy's got a 7.30 ERA. You just, you just hung five or six runs on him two days ago. So you're wrong. Find Scott Shebler a home with the San Francisco Giants or trade him to the Baltimore Orioles for Michael Givens. Shore up your bullpen a little bit better. Even though the bullpen's been good, Michael Givens is a 29-year-old right-hander. He's under control till 2021. I don't see you re-signing Hernandez or even Jared Hughes. I might re-sign Jared Hughes to a one-year deal, but I probably wouldn't do Hernandez. Michael Givens would be a really good replacement for him. So that's what you need to do. So where do we go from here? Well, they're not going too far other than the Northeast, which is a little bit away. They will be playing the New York Mets tomorrow. And it will be Zach Wheeler against Tanner Rourke. Tanner Rourke, you're doing pretty good. You got a 3.24 ERA. I want you to go seven innings tomorrow or you're making the bad things list again which you really haven't been bad. Last time you made the bad things list, but you're only honorary because you didn't go to the seventh inning, like I said. So anyway, this is the Mets. While they do have a nice uh, nucleus, that Alonzo kid's really uh, having a good year. Um, you know, you got the Confortos, the Nimos, who Nimmo should be on this team. And uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting uh, series. I am really hoping... That the Reds can, and it's only a two-game series. Man, these are, oh, no, it's a four-game series. I'm sorry. I I really think the Reds have a chance to go in there with uh, DeGrom out, and I, I really think the Reds can do some damage. I think they can win the series. I think the Reds can take three out of four. It's all about playing the right players. Hey, uh, David Bell, if you hear this podcast, if you just play Winker and left, Irvin and center, and Puig and Wright this entire series and put Irvin at leadoff and uh, bat Suarez second, Votto third, Puig fourth, Winker fifth, and then go down from there, you will probably win the series. But if you keep doing this other thing you're doing, which is insanity, you're not going to – your lineup – it's called lineup efficiency. I just don't even – you guys just don't understand it because you're going OPP, Joey Votto, seven-time – Seven-time National League leader. Let's put him. No, you pay him to drive the ball. If he walks, the fourth, fifth, and sixth guy drives him in. Quit. Just quit it. I'm tired of going into details. Anyway, to make a... I'm not going there. Engineer caught me. Thanks, Engineer. You're so cool. You're the coolest engineer in the country that has anything to do with the Reds. Yes, that's right, engineer. I said it here first. You're the best engineer there ever was, there ever is, and there ever will be as far as the Cincinnati Reds uh, content is concerned. That's right. Anyways, so what can the Reds do to to improve themselves? Trade Scott Shebler. And 
I don't even not like Scott Schebler. This will be a brand new lease on life for him. I've talked about this several times. Get him in San Francisco. Get him in Baltimore. Get him somewhere so you can let Irvin play in center. Or bring back Austin Hayes from Baltimore. Or bring back Kevin Pillar from uh, San Francisco. I'm all for letting Phil Irvin play center the rest of the year in the Reds country. you got to know what you're going to do. Why draft players at all? and then not play them and start them and see what happens. Any other team, Milwaukee, Tampa Bay, any other players with any other teams with payroll constraints uh, do this. And it just doesn't make any sense. Even the Yankees, who don't have payroll constraints, they don't bring up their rookies to sit them. They actually start them. I don't know why Cincinnati thinks that a uh, rookie ball player uh, needs to sit on the bench to uh, immerse himself in it. It's so annoying, and I talk to a lot of scouts around baseball. They don't understand it either. You don't you don't develop these players and play them every day in the minor leagues to sit them on the bench the first day they're up at the big leagues. Doesn't make any sense. You got to find a new way and a new uh, structure as far as player development. And anyway, to make a long story short, I'm going to shut this red line down. So. From the Little Apple all the way back to Red's country, this is Red's Lion signing out for tonight.